Let's do it, but we're going to do it like the like we're the B-52s. Meet the Kramers. One of them's trans. The other one's this, and they like to kiss. Tin roof. Rusted. Buddy, I know not to do this because it ends up on the episodes. What does? We're not even recording right now. <laughs> I'm Jerry Kramer. I'm a trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Sarah Kramer. I'm a cis woman, and my pronouns are also she, her. Welcome to Meet the Kramers. Hello. It's been a minute. Pull up a seat. Pull up a seat. Hey, did you know that you can find us on Instagram at at Meet the Kramers, where we have extra content based on our past podcast episodes? Give us a follow. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. But if you don't like our show, off you go. I don't know how people can leave us reviews other places other than Apple Podcasts. But if you out there know how, please send us a DM on Instagram or send us an email at info at meetthecramers.net and let us know because we are old ladies. And also leave as many stars as you can on that thing. But it has to be five stars or don't even bother. Um, or 10 if you can or 50. So let's just do some housekeeping. We just did a Zoom with our friend JB who lives in Vietnam. And before the pandemic, I never wanted to do Zoom because I hate being on camera, especially Zoom because I can see myself. And so I just end up looking at myself way too much and not paying attention to what the other person's doing. But because of pandemic, I've kind of embraced the Zoom and now we use it for staff meetings. I have a a weekly family Zoom with my parents and my brother and my nieces and nephews. This pandemic has given us one thing. It's that we get to communicate with people that would be, it would be difficult to communicate with before. So I just think it's cool that we got to see his sweet face and see his daughter and hi, JB. We miss you. We miss you. In other news, I heard a rumor that you, Jerry, like to sleep in the nude and that's new. Tell me all about it. It is new. And it's something that I always thought was really cool. You'd see women in movies and they're sleeping in the nude. (laughs) And do you see it in the movies? I don't know where I saw it. I just thought it would be really cool. It's something that I've really tried to do a lot my whole life. I'm going to sleep nude. (laughs) But it didn't feel nice. It felt wrong. And... One of the things I think is that it's just all about my sort of issues that I've had with my body and the way it has not been a woman's body. Or Like you just haven't I felt, it, you're not comf- you weren't comfortable in your body I before. I wasn't comfortable in my body before. So why would you be comfortable naked? That's even right. more vulnerable. Yes. Last week, I just, for some reason, I don't even know why, <laughs> I just tried it and it was amazing. And now I'm doing it. of the time. This morning, you're just walking around totally nude. Oh, I'm the naked neighbor. If you're, if you're not the, what is it? You either have a naked neighbor. Or you are the naked neighbor. And we are. We're the naked neighbors. We're the naked neighbors. Take a good look, neighbors. (laughs) Take a good look. (laughs) We are still getting lots of feedback from people who are doing jumping jacks and who are doing square breathing as a way of regulating their anxiety. And I am so pumped for all you listeners. 
We're also getting a lot of letters from people writing to sort of tell us that we've inspired some thoughts about their gender and maybe even a little bit of emotion in regards to them moving away from what they thought their genders were. And it's really exciting to think that what I'm doing for myself to make me feel better is inspiring people to take a look at themselves and see what needs fixing or what needs a new coat of paint. I like that, a new coat of paint. We got a letter on Instagram from someone who said, thank you for putting out the non-shaming out there for married couples sleeping in separate beds. The hubby and I have been together for 26 years, married for 18, and we've been in sleeping in separate beds for a few years now. Yes, you instinctively feel like you need to hide that fact about your marriage. Thank you for normalizing it. You can't imagine how much my heart swelled and a sense of relief swept across me when I heard that you guys sleep separately and it confirmed the benefits and how many other couples do it. I appreciate you two so much. Damn, I'm getting weepy now. Well, damn, I'm getting weepy now. (laughs) That's just so nice. And the funny thing about that is I almost cut out the part about us sleeping in different bedrooms because I still have a little residual shame about it. Like people aren't going to think that we're so obviously in love because we are obviously in love with each other. Look at how you're looking at me right now. You love me and I love you. Yeah. So obvious. It's a ridiculous custom. To sleep in the same bed? You know, when you're together for a really long time and you're never apart, it's it's okay to have a good night's sleep. Yes. Yes. I agree. When we first met and we slept in that little... It was a a double bed. It was like a... A double. Yeah. (laughs) Like slightly bigger than a With three cats. Yeah. You, me, three cats, double bed. Those kids had no idea. I'm surprised they even made it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Thank you for all the feedback. One of the things I wanted to mention that I didn't anticipate was that when I'm talking about people other than myself or Sarah in my story, I'm trying to be intentionally vague because I only really want to talk about our own experience. I don't feel like naming people is really important part of that, but I'm including them in the story because I feel like it gives it context. I'm not trying to throw shade or call anybody out because as difficult as some of those moments were, I'm so grateful that they happened the way they did because look at me now. So we just want to say to all of our friends, old and new, thank you for reaching out. It really means a lot. And we're both so happy to talk about anything that comes up for you in the podcast. So I'm just going to mention our email one more time, info at meetthegrammers.net or send us a DM. And if you're my friend, text me. You know what? Zoom me. I love to Zoom. I'll Zoom you. I might even be nude. And that leads us into this episode. We do want to start with a trigger warning because we are going to discuss some sexuality and suicidal ideation stuff. So please take care of yourself if you do decide to listen. Before we start with this episode, we wanted to talk about translifeline.org, which offers direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. They also have a hotline phone service run by trans people. They believe that some of the best support that trans people can receive is from the trans community members with shared lived experience. In Canada, you can call 877-330-6366. And in the U.S., call 877-565-8860. All you have to do is say, hi, I want to talk to someone. And they will take it from there. 
So on that dog walk, you asked me if we were going to break up. And I think I said to you, I'm the same person who loves you and wants to be with you. That hasn't changed. And then as soon as you said that, I was like, I was just like, okay, I'm in. It was a back and forth you didn't like. And also I was just, I thought you were going to leave me when you told me that you love me and you wanted to be with me. I was like, okay, let's make a plan. <laughs> I, I think it was like maybe the next day I picked you up from work and I bought you a bouquet of flowers and I gave them to you when you got into the car. You asked me why I did that. And I said, I wanted to buy flowers for my wife to show her that I loved her. All I remember is holding those flowers. I don't remember what you said. The word wife was just echoing over and over and over in my head. It was so affirming. I think that is the first thing I can point to and say, that's the euphoria. That's the feeling that I need all the time. And I think when I felt all those feelings around the word wife, if I had been kind of waffling in my head a little bit, it really cemented it for me. I've always had gender dysphoria. It has been such a buzz in my head that I have been numb to it. And when you called me your wife, it broke it open. I realized that I could feel good. Mm -hmm. And it cemented it. It's in that moment. I'd already told you I was for sure trans, but that is the moment that I believed it. That's so sweet. Well, I was trying to support you as best as I knew how. And I also bought you some clothes for laying around the house in so you could see what it felt like to be in more feminine clothing. It's it's not always easy to find stuff for someone who's six foot three, but I, th I think I found a nightie and some like cute jogger, jogger lounge pants and... Yeah, I think like I think you got like a little bralette and right, I did just some girly stuff some to girl wear around the house to lounge yeah. around in. Yeah, every day I'd come home and there'd be some new article of clothing, and I was so excited, but I was also so scared. Jamie would be so loud. I think every time I put, oh, should I say who Jamie is? Yeah, Jamie is the transphobic uh, voice inside my head, and every time I put clothing any femme clothing on, he would get even louder. I would look at myself in the mirror and just fucking panic because I just thought I looked so stupid. I kept saying, I look so stupid. What am I doing? I don't think I'd even come out of the bedroom. Like I had told you that I was trans and I had felt the euphoria and I knew we were on the right path. But I was so on the fence about it because I was so scared. But when I felt confident, I felt amazing. It was such a hard time. Every night I'd crawl into bed to go to sleep and have a feeling that I was making like such a huge mistake. Jamie was constantly saying to me, is this going to be your life now? Nobody is going to love you. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd put on what we started calling my man suit all my boy clothes, and I'd go to work. And as soon as I'd come home, I'd change it to all the new femme clothing again, and I'd try my best not to feel weird about it because I felt so weird. I didn't think it fit me right, and it probably didn't. It was cheap, but I, I remember I'd barely come out of my room and walk around the house because I was so worried that someone would see me from the street. I don't know how they would see me. I don't know what I was thinking. But I was so worried they'd see me and just be like, why is that man in a dress? 
And I, I would remind you over and over again that it wasn't a race, that you just needed to just take like as much time as you needed to get comfortable. And if it took 10 years or it took a month, like it didn't matter. I just wanted you to not like rush it. I just wanted you to to really like revel in what you were doing and to like really enjoy as much of it as you could. I, I almost don't remember much about that time because I was, I just remembered I was so scared. I can feel my heart beating and I can feel the uh, angry eyes as I looked at myself. I was probably disassociated for so much of it and in panic mode probably most of the time. When you told me to take as much time as I need, I do know that I did have a feeling that it needed to happen as fast as possible. I had an enormous sense of wasted time. Yeah. I think in therapy, my therapist had said, you know, this doesn't have to happen overnight. I said that thing, it's like a line from a movie or something about somebody who falls in love with somebody. And they said, when you find someone who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. And that's how I felt about new Jerry. I did not want to wait to meet her. Mm. So we would go to work, you in your man suit, but at home, you were femme Jerry, and I was using she pronouns. But at work, I started using the they, them pronouns because it didn't feel right to use he, him anymore. And using they, them at work was like kind of a stealthy way not to out you, but also to not use your incorrect pronouns. And most people don't notice when you switch to they, them anyway. But what happened was around that time, we had our annual staff Christmas party where our Um, We have all of our staff over and their partners to the house and we have a huge spread of food and we chat and drink and play games. It's a great time. This year was really different because you were still in the closet and for the party, you had to put on your man suit and do your boss man hosting thing. I don't know. We'd have to ask them, but maybe you seem fine to everybody who was there. But I could see how difficult it was for you. And also you know, we're pretty, we are people who are pretty open about a lot of things in our lives. And so I, I am really uncomfortable when I have a secret and pretending that you weren't struggling was especially around the people that we work with, because we are really close with them. It was, it was just really, I was just faking it the whole night and it was really hard. And it's weird because it wasn't that like, it's a new thing that I was in the closet because I had been there my whole life. So presenting mail wasn't new to me. But now that we both knew what was really happening, my closet just got really small and it was so claustrophobic. We recently were looking at photos from that night trying to find something to include with this podcast. And God, I can't even look at myself in those photos. I look like a zombie. Uh, It's That person is in so much pain. And Jamie was there that whole night. He was at the party. I was looking at all the husbands that were at the party and the whole time he's in my ear saying, so next year you're just going to be in a dress. Everybody's going to be so uncomfortable around you. Probably most of them won't even show up. What a weirdo. We did have lots of fun with everyone, of course, at the Christmas party because we always do have fun together. But for me, there was this dark undercurrent through the whole thing. And it was just, it was just, it was a, it was a tough night. After that party, I was definitely having a lot of a lot of really dark thoughts about 
how much easier this would all be for everyone if I wasn't a part of it. I have a I have a journal entry from that week that says, I've been looking in the mirror a lot and wishing that I just wasn't around because this would be so much easier if I wasn't, if nobody would have to deal with this, if I could just disappear. And then underneath it, it says, this is not a suicidal thought. This is just a fact. It would just be easier if I was dead. Um, And I really believed it then. When I look at it now, it's, it sounds pretty suicidal. When you wrote that in your journal, did you contact your therapist right away? No. I was on, uh, I think, a two or three week therapy break because she was away for family. and Because it was holidays. Yeah, because it was Christmas. And I was feeling low because it's dark all the time. I didn't have the weekly therapy sessions that I was used to. And it's also the season that I lost my dad. December's always tough. It was a real hard time. But when I did finally see her, she said that if I have any more feelings like that, that I need to tell her immediately. And I didn't have those feelings again. They never showed up again. Why do you think that is? I think that I started to get better. The stuff that we're going to talk about in some of the next episodes really helped me. Once we had a plan, I got better. December, we were floating and trying. Just flailing around. We were. (laughs) And I think once we sort of were like, these are the steps. We had like a roadmap that we wrote down on a piece of paper. We're going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. And that made us both feel better. Yeah. But in December, we didn't have it. Yeah. So it was just dark and sad. And, And Jamie. And Jamie. We were also kind of experimenting with boundaries and we would go... I think I took you to like a cheap clothing store to try and find some outfits and some more clothes that you could wear at home. Like I didn't, I I was just buying you stuff that I thought would fit you. I didn't, I don't, I didn't know what your style was or what you would like. Um, So I thought if we went to this cheap clothing store, we could just get a bunch of different things to try. And then anything that you didn't like, we could just donate it to um, charity. Not the most eco-friendly way to do it, but we were just doing our best. And so in the store, I, um, this one particular store, I knew that they had a private change room in the men's area. And I thought that that would be a good place for you to try clothes on so you wouldn't have to be in the main cha- change room area, which was more communal. There's like six or seven stalls instead of this one private stall because you were so freaked out. And I was just trying to make the trip as simple and easy. And I explained everything that we were going to do. We're going to go walk around. I'm going to pretend to look at clothes. I'm going to hold something up. You're going to say yes, no. I'm going to put it in the cart. We're going to go to this private change room. You're going to try it on because you were petrified. It sounds like I was a baby, like you were babying me. But I remember the feeling that day I was... You were quivering. Scared is not the right word. You were quivering. Your body was quivering. You were so scared. Yeah. And the first thing that I noticed when we walked in that store, it felt like all all the staff in the store was a customer of the shop. (laughs) And I was just like, holy fuck, I know all of these people. What is happening? They're all going to know what's going on. 
That's honestly, I think that's the last thing, almost the last thing I remember. I just floated around behind you while you looked at stuff and I would just nod yes if I liked something. And I don't even know if I knew if I liked something. Yeah. Well, I kept saying to you, like, lots of husbands shop with their wives, lots of boyfriends shop with their girlfriends. This is what couples do. It doesn't look weird. I just, I just kept saying things to try and keep you chill. And it barely worked. <laughs> But when I did go to that private change room, I, you just kind of threw all the stuff in there and stood outside because it was it's really just a curtain. It's not really a room. And I just tried everything on as fast as I could. And while you were out there, one of, the, one of our customers came up to you and asked if we need any help. And then you guys just started chatting. And I was hiding in this room, trying on all these femme clothes, listening to you. My heart was pounding. I felt like I was dying. I don't think I even looked at stuff I put on. I just kind of was like, my shoulders fit, buy it. This fits my waist, buy it. I was so, I was flipping out. And then when we got home, I started trying stuff on in earnest in my bedroom. And I was feeling it. Like it felt so great to have these like cool femme clothes. And that night we went to a movie Remember those? <laughs> <laughs> Remember going to outside? We went to a movie and I wore I wore one of the new outfits. It was like some light blue capri pants and a t-shirt. Like it was nothing as far as clothing goes, but it was exhilarating. I'm so amazed I did it. And even though it was dark when we drove to the theater and dark when we left, it was like my first time out in the world and I was fucking high on it. It was amazing. I know... Um like one of the conversations that we kept having during that time um, about your transition was what we were going to do about our tattoo business. Because what I was going to say, you were really worried, but I think we were both really worried that if you came out, that we would go out of business and that nobody would want to be tattooed at our shop. Because of our weird 80s upbringing, we have so much internalized transphobia, internalized homophobia, internalized queerphobia. What was it like for you when you were... Because you grew up in sort of a smaller suburb of Vancouver. You grew up in Abbotsford. Uh, for me, growing up in the 80s, I was afraid. I was afraid to be queer. I knew from a very young age that I was bisexual. And I never let that out. I kept that close, 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 close to my heart. And being a weirdo meant I didn't fit in with all the normies. So I hung out with weirdos. But all of those weirdos are these hyper-masculine circles that are different from guys that play football, but kind of the same. And being a part of those hyper-masculine circles like skateboarding or punk rock, it was so dangerous because even though they're all weirdos, there's still no room to be different from the weird that everyone else is playing. You have to like fit in. And then for me growing up in Regina, Saskatchewan in the 80s, like I didn't, I didn't really know I was queer. I just knew... I was different. And in Regina, maybe just all of the prairies, if you were gay or if you were, quote, like too much, if you were anything outside of the cis heteronormative model, it was dangerous. Like people I knew who were out as queer during the 80s, they were bullied and abused. And so one of the reasons I feel like that we had so much anxiety about coming out and transitioning, I mean, we said it in the last podcast, like we had a lot of unlearning to do and we still do, like it's a work in progress, but like a good example of how we grew up is pop culture. Like every movie that we watched that had a gay person in it, that gay person's story was a tragedy. 
every trans woman was a killer or a prostitute. On TV, gay characters weren't out gay, but you knew they were gay because they were like gross caricatures and they were always the butt of the joke. So why would we want to be considered queer? So that's kind of how we grew up and why when we thought if you came out as a trans woman, our business was just going to completely fall apart. Even though we have been hiring queer people and working beside queer people and tattooing queer people for years, the idea that those same people would support a 48-year-old trans woman to me, to me was laughable. No, of course they would not. Why would they do that? I will be the queen of the weirdos and no one will want to be in the same room as me. We had a lot of, a lot of things to unlearn. A lot. So what I did to make a plan for myself or to try and get out of, I guess, Jamie's headspace is I started looking on Instagram for other trans tattooers. There are quite a lot, but generally the industry is very cis, straight, male-dominated. And especially all the circles I've been working in most of my career. And I've never really felt like there was anybody I could look at who was like me. But I did find one trans woman tattooing. She kind of tattooed like I tattoo. And that's the only way I know how to connect. I, that's the only way I knew how to connect to somebody. I would see people doing tons of black work or people doing line art drawings or people doing trash polka or whatever styles of tattooing. And none of that stuff resonates with me. So I didn't know how I would fit in. I didn't. I couldn't see how will... Jerry, the trans woman, fit into street shop tattooing, walk-in style. And when I found her, I was thrilled because she tattooed like I did. And um, so I reached out anonymously to her um, because I was so scared of being outed and asked her if she could help a new baby trans person out by answering a couple of questions. She was so kind. I probably asked her a lot of really dumb questions, but the one that I did ask her that really kind of made it for me was that I said, what happened when you came out? What happened to your customers and your business? Because that was really what I was afraid of. I was afraid of losing our whole world. Tattooing is my whole world and it's our whole world. It's our livelihood. And I was so worried about losing it. She said, well, I lost some customers, but I gained a million more. What did you think when she said that? I thought there's no way that was going to happen for me. I thought, well, of course it happened. Of course it happened for her like that. She's beautiful and stylish. I'm just going to be a man in a dress. My internalized transphobia runs so deep. So when you when you were chatting um, with her, what did those conversations do for you? We talked back and forth about the craft and the business and having another trans tattooer to talk to about this stuff. It was life-changing for me. I'm so grateful to her for her candor. She really shone like a light at the end of that dark December tunnel. Even though I didn't believe her that it was going to work out for me, I believed that it might be fine. <laughs> I, I didn't think I'm not going to like lose customers and gain a million more. I might lose some customers, but it'll probably be okay. Okay. I'll get by. It was really helpful. So after the Christmas party, we had downtime for the holiday. And that's when we started playing with makeup and like false eyelashes and lipsticks because it was the holidays, you were spending more time in your femme clothing and just getting more comfortable with yourself. And it was it was working like this little, you had a little bright light in your eyes. Even though I was wrestling with Jamie sometimes, what I was doing just felt right. So I just tried to squash what Jamie was saying. And I 
kept following that feeling, that little light. That same time, we had a couple friends visit and they stayed with us a couple of days and it felt like such an intrusion to this happy, safe space at home that we'd created. Felt like our home was the only place on earth I was truly being myself and it was painful to have to shut it down while they were here. But it wasn't like it wasn't their fault because they had no idea what was going on with you. But I know it was really hard for you to get up every morning and have to put on your man suit in your own house and like live in your man suit the whole day while they were here. It just it just wasn't a great visit. I, I know it was really difficult for you. It was. I remember I would be putting on my putting on my pants in my bedroom and just being like, this is for work. This is, this is not for home. What am I doing? And, and when that was happening, there's like a flip side is that my inner voice that isn't Jamie, I guess, Jerry, I guess, the inner voice, was saying, I don't like this. I don't like faking it. I don't like doing this. I want to wear what I want to wear. I want to be who I am. And that's when I started to notice that I was having a lot of difficulty bridging the two worlds. Wearing my man suit that I had worn for most of my life, it wasn't fitting me anymore. And it was so depressing to get dressed up for work and spend my day like that. Every single day in my man suit was getting harder and harder. And that's when I knew I needed to come out. engineering for this episode by Gavin Stacy. We've known Gavin since he was a baby. In fact, I remember the day he was born. Love you, Gavin. This episode brought to you by Tattoo Zoo. Did you know that we do get what you get tattoos? What is that? Well, we have a candy machine filled with fun tattoo designs. And for $100 plus tax, you take your chances and spin the wheel and see what design pops out. But what if I don't like the design? Listen, all the designs are great. Don't fret. But for another $20, you can spin again. To book a GWYG tattoo, call 250-361-1952. And let's get you booked in. Tattoo Zoo. Putting the ooh in tattoos since 1994. Thanks for listening. See you next time.